chapter 4, and it's on page 1181 in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contested at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks, Rick. Keep your Bibles open there. I'll just move that. Hello, I'm Colin. Welcome. Had my welcome to everybody else's. Good to have you with us. Um, tell me, are you feeling happy? I wonder. Are you feeling happy? I am, but it's easy for me. I'm going on holiday tomorrow, so I'm feeling pretty happy. But you can ask me how happy I'm feeling about four o'clock this afternoon when I'm trying to squeeze everything into the car. Probably not quite as happy. It's quite, quite hard to define what being happy is, isn't it? Is it a collection of positive emotions, a sort of feeling of well-being? But that's too simple, because like, I always used to say to my mum, she, she's, she's not happy unless she's got something to moan about. You know, can you relate to that? You know people like that? Uh, we know it when we see it, though, don't we? So this is um, Miv. Uh, this time last year, just my daughter Miv. Here she is. Sorry, it looks weird. I've blurred out the other kids' faces because I don't have permission. So this is Miv lining up for her first day at school last year. Now, if you just zoom in on Miv, look at her. She had this ear-to-ear grin for the entire morning. There's one more picture, Sharon. Next one. There she is. That was how she looks for the whole morning. She was so happy, so pleased to be there. Um, it's probably a, a bit easier for us to identify the negative, isn't it, when we're not happy. So if our health frustrates us, or we have relationships that, can, that are draining and stressful, we have genuine worries about paying the bills, um, Sunday night makes your stomach churn because tomorrow is Monday morning at work or school, that kind of feeling. So what's the answer? How can we find happiness? Well, we're looking at this letter to the Philippians that the Apostle Paul wrote, um, chapter 4 of it. Um, there's an outline in your leaflet there, um, if that helps you listen, or good, or doodle. But Paul is writing from prison. He's actually in, you know, and not in a modern nice prison, he's writing from a grotty prison, and he says... I have learned the secret of being content in every, in any and every situation. It sounds like something from the Oprah Winfrey show, doesn't it? Or from some, some self-help book, find the secret of being content in every situation. So we'll get to that secret later. But that kind of sort of self-help approach to happiness is what's influenced my, the, the bullet points you've got. That's, where the, that's the style I've tried to do them in. Anyway, so Paul is writing to this church in Philippi. It's on the eastern edge of Europe. And, and it's a really good church. And he's writing primarily to encourage them to carry on being a really great church. But of course, it's not a perfect church. So two of them, Euodia and Syntyche, good girls name, Lindsay, if you, if you have a girl, be good. You think of those. Euodia and Syntyche. Two of them have, have fallen out. Uh, we don't know what about, but here's Paul's advice, our first point. Don't be true to yourself. Don't be true to yourself. So we'll have a look from verse 2. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. The same mind. So this appeal to the mind, it, it's an appeal to these two women, to the objective fact of their identity in Christ. So, because they're no longer just Euodia and Syntyche, they are Euodia in Christ and Syntyche in Christ. And we get this, this call for unity in Christ is all the way through this letter to the Philippians. Um, I'll just put a few verses up there. 
Um, stand firm in the one, verse 27, stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one. Um, two, verse two, um, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, one in spirit, one mind. And two, verse five, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So yeah, the Euodia in Christ and Syntyche in Christ. And the same is true of any Christian. Who we are is fundamentally in Christ. And so that defines, helps define our chase for happiness. Because if we're at odds with this mindset of Jesus, who we're in, then we're never going to be content. How does this compare to what our culture says about happiness and identity? Well, I've I've turned to the experts, I've gone to the institution that's done the most research about these things and, and really gets under the skin of, of the Western world, Disney. Okay, so very quickly now, I've got my Disney princess who's going to help me through these slides. We've got Pinocchio, a wooden puppet who wants to be a real boy, then he will be who he really is and be happy. We've got the little mermaid, Ariel wants to be human and then she'll be happy. Aladdin wants to be a prince to get, to get the princess, then he'll be worthwhile, someone important, then he will be happy. The princess and the frog just needs to work a bit harder, dig a bit deeper and get what she wants, then she'll be happy. Cars, Lightning McLean has to be the winner, then he'll be happy. Zootopia, anybody can be anything and that's what makes you happy. Wreck-It Ralph wants to be the hero, not a villain anymore, and then he'll be happy. All right? So a bit of watching there if you want to do it. So the Disney doctrine seems to be to discover yourself and be true to whatever it is that you discover. Just follow your heart and then all your dreams will come true. But the trouble is our feelings can be tyrants. So our striving to make ourselves happy can become a slavery that leads to well, unhappiness. And there are consequences, real consequences, of making ourselves what happiness is all about. So in Disney World, the Disney stories, Ariel's dad becomes a plant in the witch's garden. Aladdin nearly condemns the whole world to rule by evil Jafar. And Pinocchio gets his friend turned into a donkey, uh, turns into a donkey himself, gets swallowed by a whale, and his dad gets swallowed by a whale. There are consequences. And what about in real life? So a youth wants to be true to who he is. He doesn't want to look like a pushover and lose the argument. So he refuses to back down and the friendship ends. Or a worker wants to be true to her potential. She wants to find happiness in a fulfilling career. So she puts extra hours in. She's strategic about the friends she makes and church drops off the radar. Or a husband and a wife, they want to say, stay true to who they are. They don't want to lose their individual identity. So they keep up relationships and hobbies as if nothing has changed. And it soon begins to impact on the marriage. But Jesus' mindset that we're called to, Jesus' mindset is pretty much the opposite of being true to yourself. It's on the screen, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is the mindset of heaven. An attitude of selfless 
a sacrificial love that puts others' needs first. Jesus had this mindset, and Jesus kept this mindset all the way to the cross. He put our interests, our right relationship with God before his own. Being true to ourselves, not God, it's second rate. And that's what sin is. We were made to, to love God above all things, including ourselves, including our own happiness. Jesus paid the price and took the punishment for our sin so that we can live forever in right relationship with God. So true contentment, not the fleeting feeling of happiness, of self-fulfillment. True contentment is found in having Jesus' mindset. Uh, from our Western mindset, we can, you can look at things in different ways. From our Western mindset, we can look at our life and think, look where I've got to in life. Unfulfilled job and family ambitions. Behind my peers in most things in life. Not as much travel done and as much stuff as I'd, like, as I'd hoped for. But the same person with Jesus' mindset can say, look where I've got to. Saved by grace. My sense of self rooted in Jesus, who he is and what he's done. Sharing that firm foundation with, with my loving brothers and sisters in Christ. Knowing the joy of sharing with them so that they have enough. Unworried by work because it's important but it doesn't define me. Content with my family situation because that's the situation God has given me to be faithful in. Not jealous of my peers because I want their needs fulfilled more than I want my own. It's a pursuit of happiness by being true to yourself. It's a trap. It's a con. And it withers into insignificance compared to the riches of having the mindset of Jesus. So that's our first point. Don't be true to yourself. Be true to Jesus. Have his mindset. And our second point, don't rely on your feelings. Don't rely on your feelings. So instead, find joy in the objective fact of peace with God, depending on him in prayer. So if you have a look with me from verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what these verses are telling us is how to respond to the, to the knowing the fact that Jesus has won us peace with God, uh, rather than responding just to our feelings. So when he says, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say again rejoice. Is, this, is him saying that we face up to genuine pain and suffering by going, la, 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 everything's all right, really, joy, joy, joy. Complete denial? No, it's not telling us to pretend everything is okay. Because Paul, who wrote this letter, it can't be saying that. Paul, who wrote this, was saying, as described in this epistle and others, times when he's been distressed, when he's experienced sorrow on sorrow, when he's despaired of life itself. So he, he, Paul's not ashamed of these feelings, negative feelings. He just assumes them to be true. We should expect to suffer and we don't have to like it. But we can rejoice in the Lord in the peace that we 
have with him regardless. And what about verse 5? When he says, let your gentleness be evident to all, he can't mean just roll over and give in to any opposition. Because earlier in this same letter, he's already told us not to be afraid of opponents, and he's called false teachers dogs and evildoers. It's, it's hardly sort of oh, just put up and shut up kind of language, is it? And verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. It isn't just Bobby McFerrin singing, don't worry, be happy. Not, it's not about being carefree by not caring. No, each of these responses, rejoicing, gentleness, not being anxious, aren't a response to feelings. They're the sort of subjective outworking, the heart on the sleeve, resulting from what we objectively know. The facts of who we are in Jesus and the peace of God, verse 7, that Jesus has won for us. Now, I'm not saying emotions are bad or feelings are bad. We've seen Paul has them. Um, Jesus himself showed great extremes of emotion. But Jesus didn't base his confidence in God on his feelings. And he didn't decide what to do based on his feelings. Because emotions are complex and an unreliable thing. I mean, they can be changed by cheese. You know, there's a chemical thing involved, a physical thing involved in our emotions. So that's part of the reason why up the front here, you'll see the way we do church here. So Alex done a great job service leading this morning so far. Um, and when we have the musos, what you won't see is showy displays of emotion. And you won't hear our song leaders trying to generate a particular emotion from you. Uh, and that's because what we believe what it says here in Philippians, that is, that our, the fact of our peace with God, that's the basis for our response, not our feelings. Now, you may have an emotional response, and good on you, and that, that's fine. You don't have to be the frozen chosen. You can take your hands out of your pockets if you want to. But having such an emotional response is not a prerequisite for knowing peace with God and responding faithfully to him. Uh, We saw in our Revelation series, if you were around for that, that the long-term outcome for us who belong to Christ is to enjoy God's direct presence with no tears, no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. In other words, we know our future is to be perfectly content all the time. Uh, And knowing that can spur us on through the tough times in the here and now. So yes, bad stuff will happen to the best of us, which may make us feel awful, make us feel down. But none of it can touch the deep contentment and security to be found in knowing that we have peace with God. And if we rely on God for peace with him, we can, verse 6, bring everything and every situation to him in prayer so that our hearts are, verse 7, guarded by this peace that is ours in Christ. So our reflex to trouble can be not anxiety, but prayer. See, being anxious is a closed loop. It's just going over and over and over the problem to yourself who can't do anything to, to provide a solution. But instead, go over and over and over with it, with God, in prayer, trusting him with it. 
So we've seen, don't be true to yourself instead of Jesus' mindset. Don't rely on your feelings, but rely on the objective fact of your peace with God. And now we come to our third point. Take the light and easy way. Take the light and easy way. So how can we cultivate this mindset, having this Jesus mindset? How can we cultivate this reflex of prayer instead of anxiety? In other words, how can we cultivate, cultivate this biblical picture of joy and contentment rather than just fleeting happiness? Uh, we can fill our minds with Jesus and his ways and follow them. So if you'll have a look in verse 8. What, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And those, those verbs that say think about these things and put into practice, they're present continuous. So in other words, keep on thinking about these things keep on doing these things. It's so simple and straightforward that I'm in danger of complicating it. But here it is. If you want to know the deep peace, contentment and joy that come from belonging to Jesus, think about these things and do them. So ask yourself, are you filling your mind with things of Jesus and things of God? Are you doing it every day? Or when are you doing it? How are you doing it? Because we're all thinking about something, but we're all putting something into practice. And the reality is, according to this, the Bible, that we can choose what those things are. So there's a picture here. French, I'm not sure when this was, a couple of years ago, I think. French, there was French beekeepers who were moaning. They're always moaning about something, the French. Yeah. They were moaning because uh, the bees started producing green and blue honey. Which is a bit weird, isn't it? Honey shouldn't be green or blue. And what they discovered it was is just a few kilometres away, um, waste uh, sort of candy casings from M&Ms were being used in a biogas plant, and the bees were feeding off M&Ms rather than nectar. And so, <laughs> what they produced is not lovely honey, but blue and green honey. What they produced was a result of what they had put in what they produce as a result of what they put in so I'm sure you've heard it a million times before I'm going to say it again read your bible read it in an organized way a disciplined way ask God to help you do that ask other people to hold you accountable for it read Christian books download talks and sermons Here's, there's a lot of rubbish on the internet so just be careful doing that here's where my go to places first one is that's uh, that's the Gospel Coalition. So they've got an app, and pretty you can go and click on the media button. Pretty quickly takes you to good videos and sermons and stuff. Um, the other one I go to is this one. Uh, that's St. Helen's Bishopgate. If you just Google that, you'll find their talks. So that's um, some of you before the Read, Mark, Learn books and stuff. So there's loads of good talks on there, going back years and years. And you can just type in a Bible passage if you want to know about a particular passage. It'll bring up a list of sermons on that. See, nothing we read or watch or listen to, not, they're not, none of them are neutral things. Everything and everyone is giving you messages. 
So weigh them up against this list that we've got in this letter. Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? Is it true? Is it noble, right, pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? And don't just know stuff. Do. Put into practice whatever you've learned, received, heard or seen. Put into practice. So identify mature Christian role models. Follow their examples. Find Christians in the life stage just one life stage on from you and ask them how they did your life stage, how they got through it. But doing all that can sound a bit hard, can't it? It does sound a bit hard, like it could actually make you less happy, not more happy. Well, Jesus says this, and it's really important, and it's on your leaflets, at the bottom of your leaflets. Jesus' perspective on following him. This is from Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I don't think any of us feel left out there, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's so much in life that can burden us and make us weary, following religious rules, trying to prove ourselves, worrying about what others think, and the needs of others, burdens. But Jesus invites us to do two things here. Firstly, to cast our burdens, our chasing happiness, onto him. Trusting him as our saviour. And he will give us rest. Not just a day off, not just a holiday, but a new status of our very soul, that is not self-reliant, but reliant on him. And secondly, he calls us to take his yoke and learn from him, obeying him as Lord. So a yoke was a wooden bar fixed onto cattle to pull a cart or a plough, but it become a metaphor for a body of teaching, a way of life. Or as we read in Philippians, you could put it this way, whatever you've learned or received or heard from Jesus or seen in Jesus, put into practice and the peace and the God of peace will be with you. And these calls from Jesus come with a promise. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus tells us that learning from him and following him is lighter and easier, happier, I suppose, than the burden of chasing happiness, the burden of human ways of living. Jesus shows us a realistic pattern of living, resting in reliance on him. Jesus' yoke is light, so fill your mind with him and his ways and obey him, because it's easier than the human systems or your own burdensome search for happiness. So to conclude, to get to our final point in the outline, having the mindset of Christ relying on the fact of your peace with God, turning anxiety into prayer, and filling your mind and actions with Jesus' ways. Through all these things, the Apostle Paul has been learning to be content. Learning to be content. So from, I'll read from verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. 
I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So here, Paul takes the idea of contentment being based on our own self-sufficiency, our self-generated happiness, and he turns it on its head. He's not even saying, so long as my basic needs are met, I'm content. No, he says, as much as when he has plenty, he's content even when he's in need, even when he's hungry. So how? How does he do this? I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So I guess the danger of a, of a talk like this is that I could leave you with the idea that if you only do enough, you too can be content in all situations. But that isn't what Paul says. He doesn't say, I've got it all together, and if you get it all together like me, then you can always be content like me. No, he says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. In God's strength, through Christ. So the application still stand. Don't worry about being true to yourself. Have the self-sacrificing, humble mindset of Christ. Don't rely on your feelings for contentment. Find it in the unchanging, dead certain facts that you, you are saved by Jesus and you do have peace with God. And don't get stuck in the closed loop of anxiously worrying about things. Cast your burdens on Jesus and have peace with God. Fill your life and mind with good things, things of God, and follow Jesus' ways. All that stays the same. But don't chase these things under your own steam. Don't turn them in. Don't make them become you chasing after happiness. Rather, ask God to help you and do all these things in his strength, relying on him to be content in all circumstances. We're going to sing about that now. Thanks, Simon. Simon, go up. And then after that, Sharon's going to lead us in prayer. Thanks for listening. Our next song uh, picks up on what uh, a key idea that Colin was just uh, talking about. Uh, it's in Christ alone that we actually uh, put all our faith, and it is in him that we will actually find uh, many of the answers that we're looking for. So please uh, stand and, and uh, join us as we sing in Christ alone. My hope is found. Christ alone my hope is found he is my light my strength